It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 172, entitled I Look Like I'm a Skateboarder in My Late 40s. It was published on Monday the 19th of July 2021. I'm Nathan Wrigley and as always I'll be joined by my co-host Paul Lacey and this week also by Joe Casabona. Unfortunately Tim Nash wasn't able to join us this week but we'll have him back on another day. There's plenty to talk about as always. WordPress 5.8 is coming down the line very soon and we talk about some updates to the media library. Astra have launched some new templates for Beaver Builder and Elementor have got a new color picker tool and the ability to save entire websites in version 3.3. There's a critical vulnerability in WooCommerce which needs updating and Cloudways have got a way for you to reinstall and back up anything that you've deleted which is a really nice update. There's also quite a long conversation that we have about a WP Tavern article entitled contributing to open source is better than any college degree and we also get into the subject of podcasting because Automatic have bought Pocket Cast, one of the most popular podcasting apps. There's a couple of other things towards the end but that's mainly it. I hope that you enjoy it. This Week in WordPress was brought to you by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Test in record time? The new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress block editor. Go check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello, hello, hello. How are we all doing? Nice to uh, nice to see you, Paul and Joe. How's it going? Doing very well, thank you. Nice, Paul. What like, about you? Likewise, doing good. Hot. Look, like we're playing that game. We're playing that game like we've just haven't spoken two minutes ago. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. What's going on in your life since two minutes yeah. ago? That's exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think I think people should do that at bars. Like they should all meet before they walk into the bar. Mm-hmm talk for a little bit and then walk in in front of the bartender and be like hey how's it going like it's just a big old show you have mm-hmm. that awkward exact opposite thing as well where you say goodbye to somebody and walk then you both walk way. in the same direction That's that true. happens to me 90 percent of the time i say goodbye <laughs> to somebody it's such a weird social interaction yeah. anyway here we are wp builds this week in wordpress we were supposed to be joined today by tim nash as well he sent through his apologies um i won't go into the details but he's unable to make it and uh, so it's just the three of us today so we'll be able to each of us have a little bit of a, a little bit of a more of a chat which would be quite nice we um we as always are on wpbuilds.com forward slash live um, 2 p.m. UK time every single week, or you might have found us in the Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. If you're in the Facebook group and you wish to make a comment, then we won't know who you are unless you go to the trouble of looking in the original thread. And at the bottom of the original thread will be a link that you need to click to allow Restream, the platform that we're using, uh, to say who your names are. And it's got this clever feature where it actually, there's some kind of robot going on and it can post, cross post all the comments from the, the different social networks, which is really nice. Anyway, if you want any, if you want to put a comment in, please feel free to do so. We'll try to get to as many of them as we possibly can. Although we've had a brief introduction, Paul, I feel you should properly introduce our guest. 
Yeah. Can I just clarify one thing though, Nathan? Now we've only got one guest today. Do I still get paid full price or you're not going to, you know, for doing, for doing only one intro? Oh yeah. You can get a hundred percent of nothing again, you know, Great. totally. Yeah. That's yeah. the main thing. I just didn't want you to, you know, shortchange me on that. So <laughs> that's cool. All right. Well, we are very lucky to have Joe Casabona back as a guest again. Uh, one of my favorite people and friends in WordPress and there's just too many facets to uh, what you do, Joe. So I'm going to go from what you've written as your actual intro. So Joe started his career almost 20 years ago as a freelance web developer before realizing his true passion, which was sharing his years of knowledge about website development, podcasting, and course, and being a course creator to help creators, freelancers, and business owners. And if you want to find more about Joe and all the different things he does, you can find him at casabona.org and also recently i discovered that you are the author of the legendary book html and css quick start visual quick start guide which was for any of us back in the late 90s the book have you got one there i i do i need I to like clarify something then yeah i need to clarify uh i don't just have this as a prop i'm i'm working on a, <laughs> mm -hmm. i'm working on a course and i'm referencing my own book because I like the way I mm -hmm. teach things the best. Um, <laughs> I wrote the ninth edition of this book. Uh, so yeah. uh, Liz Castro uh, wrote most of them. Yeah. Uh, and she, uh, she and gosh, I'm, I'm awful because I, I forget the name of the person who wrote the eighth edition. Um, but they decided to uh, pass the torch because um Pearson and Peach Pit wanted to do a video course along with the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wrote the book from scratch. If you have, if you have like the older ones, you'll probably notice that this is like a lot thinner. Yeah. Um, and that's because there is a multiple hours of video content as well, right. which I think works best for things like CSS animations and things like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Try yeah. to explain them on the, like 17 pictures. It moves over here and then it goes. Yeah, here. It goes. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, the pictures are uh, in color, but like imagine a black and white book where it's like the red ball has turned to yeah. a blue ball. So yeah, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. Did you like, was there any part of you like, if we rewind like 10 years or something, was there any part of you that really desired to write a book? Has that been an ambition? Yes, uh, actually, ten years ago, uh, November, I guess it will be. So ten years in November uh, is when I uh, got my first book deal, uh, which was building WordPress themes from scratch, published by a little publisher called Rockable, owned by Envato. Um, and so I'd been writing tutorials for them. And they reached out and they said, hey, do you want to write a book? Like, we're going to pay you a flat fee. It'll basically be like 10 tutorials, how to build a WordPress site. We'll give you a PSD, a Photoshop PSD. Um, and you would create a WordPress theme from that. And I'm like, yes. And the reason I agreed to that is because every publisher I had spoken to before this required that basically you have already published a book for them ah. to publish a book. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, it's not like I was going for like small indie publishers. I was going for like the publishers of the books that I learned on. And mm -hmm. so they want an experienced author. So I use that book as like a stepping stone about. Uh, so after that book was published, probably like a year later, I pitched to Peach Pit uh, Responsive Design with WordPress, uh, a book all about how to make 
responsive was pretty new uh, yeah. in 2013. Yeah. Um, all about everything you need to think about when creating a responsive theme uh, for, for WordPress and how you could take advantage of WordPress for things like multiple image sizes and things like that. So, um, yeah, I guess I got the itch. It would have been 2019 that I talked to my publisher and then things got delayed because of uh, this big global pandemic, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but I, I basically said, I want to do a second version of this book. And they said, nobody in the WordPress space buys books. And I said, that tracks for the people I talk to. Um, I shouldn't say that tracks because like a lot of people I know are like, your book is like what got me into WordPress development. And I'm like, that's really nice. Uh, but they said that they wanted to do a ninth edition of HTML and CSS, a visual quick start guide. Uh, can you do that? And I was like, yes, I can do that. So uh, great. It was amazing. Um, it was a it was a, a kind of a different book from what I've written in the past. But um, I'm really glad it's out on bookshelves now. And mm. I'm trying to promote it as best I can. I think I'm going to start a podcast. I haven't said this publicly, but I'll probably start a podcast. Yeah, now. <laughs> about the book. Yeah. Audio quick start guide to the book. Yeah. I'm just looking on my shelf here because I, I had the like the second edition. I had the first or second edition, yeah. It had like wow. a red yeah. square and a green square. I think mine was purple. Like uh, purple something like that. But I've, I've got rid of it. I purged quite a few things recently. But yeah. that I was... I was wondering what you were looking at. Yeah, I'm like, I is, thought he died. Is the sky falling? <laughs> yeah, I've got a big, big shelf of all the technical books just above oh, my head, great. and uh, it's not there anymore. But it should be, so it's gone. It's yeah. been purged. But uh, uh, that man alive, I cannot imagine the size of that project. I've never done anything which would require that level of discipline mm, over that length. You have of to time know to everything. <laughs> yeah. It, it was really hard and like shout out to because I mean like I'm self-taught mostly for HTML and CSS. You know, I have my master's in software engineering, so I learned like how to program, but I never took a formal HTML and CSS mm. course. Uh, and so I was writing the book using things colloquially, um, you know, kind of interchanging like tag and whatever um, an element and and. You, you want to get that language right for a beginner. This is for a beginner. Um, and so, like, shout out to my editor, uh, Vic, who has experience writing books like this. Because, um, like, my books are mostly like, here's a concept. Here's some sample code. And this is more like, here's a concept. And then here's, like, step by step exactly how to make something. Yeah. Um, so shout out to, to Vic, my editor, who helped me like get the format down right. Um, and then shout out to my tech editor, who uh, apparently has all of MDN memorized. Um, <laughs> so uh, he uh, he checked on, you know, and we had some disagreements in some places. Right. I said, like, never use the important tag in CSS. And uh, he was like, well, like, maybe you should. And I'm like, no, you really shouldn't. Or he said, like, this is really strongly worded. And I'm like, I have a very strong opinion about this. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, he, you know, he made sure I was using the right terminology. And and like, for example, I didn't realize the definition list changed. Like the name of the name of that element, DL, changed from definition list to description list. Oh, you, now you're schooling me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that because I mean, because like, oh, oh, well, DL, all right, you, it's a term and then a definition or whatever. But like most people weren't using it for dictionary terms. They were using it for like 
listing other things. So they changed it to description list uh, in some version of HTML5. What a great start to the podcast. What a yeah. superb beginning. That's brilliant. Just give us the title one more time so we can go out and all buy it. Uh, I'll do you one better. You can go to htmlvqs.com. Perfect. htmlvqs.com. I will try to put that in the show notes. Uh, stick it in the private chat. and I'll I will, yeah. I'll definitely remember. It's like um, somewhere on my website too, probably. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we, were, we were supposed to talk about WordPress, and so probably we should track, you know, get, get into the, the nuts and the bolts of that just before we do. Let me make sure the screens are on correctly. There we go. There's the WPBuilds.com website. That's where we push all of our content. I could go into more about that, but let's crack on, shall we? Got a fair few articles, actually a few of them this week, touching on the education space, so hopefully mm-hmm. right up your street. Uh, Joe, because quite an interesting yeah. story came out this week. But let's start with um, let's start with the sort of core WordPressy stuff. I can't remember whether I'm doing this one or you're doing it, Paul. Can you recall? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do the first three, which okay. are quite brief. We don't necessarily, unless some, somebody wants to uh, go into detail about them, they're just some some cool things happening in the space. So the first one is on WP Tavern, and it's an article entitled WordPress 5.8 Media Library Changes You Should Know About. And the main ones, it's just some basically nice upgrades to how the media, how you can interact with the media library. Uh, there's infinite scroll as all the images come in has been replaced with a button that you can press to load more, which is useful. I think I'll particularly find that useful when I'm searching for an image and I don't want it to autocomplete before I'm ready. Uh, but my favorite one really was just this tiny little um I don't know what you call it, a kind of... Uh, like a little life, feature, isn't it? Tiny feature. Yeah, a little, little feature where when you've uploaded a, a, an image or a document, it straight away gives you the button to copy the URL of that document. And I can't tell you how many times I've made Loom videos or tutorial videos for clients and had to show them this backwards way of, okay, so you upload a document, then you go back out, then you come back in, then you can get the URL, then you can paste it into this page or whatever. But now you upload it and straight away it gives you that really super useful copy URL to clipboard button so you can copy it right there. There's some other stuff like WebP um, added, which personally I'm not fully bought into as yet, but it's showing that there's little things going on in the background outside of Gutenberg and the block editor that are making life better for us who are using uh, WordPress there. So that was the first one. I don't know if anyone's got anything they want to add to that, or we can move to the next one. What's the blocker on WebP? Is it Safari? I think so. Is it Safari on iOS or something? There's a there's a real legitimate mm. reason not to start using it, or at least there was, but I can't remember what it was. I do like the um, I do like the initial thing with the lazy load, though. I I, I really like interacting with the lazy load of images mm. and the infinite scroll, I should say. But having read this article, obviously, from a technical point of view, from an accessibility point of view, uh, apparently a lot of those images are just unfindable uh, if you're on a screen reader. Yeah. Simply, they simply don't exist for you. So obviously that's a step in the right direction, which is nice. Yeah. The WebP thing, by the way, anecdotally where I've come across problems with WebP is where I'm combining WebP and caching. And for instance, I've had situations regularly, so I've stopped using WebP, uh, whereby a caching the caching plugin has cached a non-Safari version of the page and then delivered a Safari version of the page to 
a mm. non-Safari version of the page to a Safari user and mm. and then it can't okay. load the image. So okay. it might all be sorted now. Um, but those are, you know, just whenever I've dipped into WebP, I've not really had a fantastic experience with it. And also from a performance point of view, I know that they perform better, but the current method that the majority of WebP users leverage is that they use a caching plugin that looks at the document and does a quick replacement of all the images with WebP if the caching plugin or the, the WebP uh, plugin figures out that the browser that has been used is able to serve WebP. And what I've found in the past is that the delay for that to happen, if you're doing websites in a, in a right. relatively decent way, is bigger than the delay of the images loading well-optimized JPEG. Okay. So that's yeah. why I'm just not yeah. quite there yet. So I think um, WebP is just one of the things that at the right time, it's going to be the thing everybody uses. But for me, it's just not quite there yet. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that uh, WebP is recently supported in Safari. And I know mm. this because I was just checking the book we just referenced. <laughs> and I state in it that at the time of this writing, WebP is not supported by Safari. So okay, good. Oh, okay, yeah. well we've got no blockers. Paul, okay, yeah. let's let's get on it. <laughs> there we uh, go. Yeah. yeah. I'll also say the great philosopher Brian Richards taught me a saying about cash that cash ruins everything around me. So, uh, <laughs> which is, yeah. it's a different kind of cash. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in Australia, they call it cash. I think. Or at least I have an Australian friend who's a web developer who always calls it cache, yeah. so the two can't be confused. I've also uh, heard cache, which cache ooh. is an, uh, another thing as well, yeah. right? Like you that's have like a cache. That's like kudos, isn't it? That's yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> how cool you are, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, okay, that's that one done. Number two up today is this one, Astra. Yeah, so WP Astra, the, I think it is still the most popular um, premium theme out there as far as I'm aware in terms of installs of the premium version. Um, generally, they've been a little bit quiet over the last year or two while some other themes have come out, you know, um, Bloxy and Cadence and a few others that are kind of taking the limelight for a while, especially with the marketers out there in terms of, you know, um, marketing something new that, that comes out there. So we haven't heard too much from Astra, but they have been bubbling over in the background. And it's just, it's just a an interesting article for anyone who who uses Beaver Builder like me, and happens to use Astra as well. That they've set they've they've created another set of templates for um, Beaver Builder users who use Astra. So there's five new templates out there, mostly targeted at things like solopreneurs and uh, influencers in terms of what the templates uh, reference. I found it interesting because it's just been all blocks for the last year or so. You know, no one has kind of been like, hey, we're releasing a new set of this for this page builder or that page builder. So I just found it interesting that a theme that big is um, has made a video about it, made a bunch of templates for it, and is still pushing, pushing away at what perhaps its customers still like to use. So um, I'm probably, I've probably got a slight agenda as to why I think that's good news. But um, but yeah, well, why would that? I don't know, I don't know. No. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that was pretty cool news. Um, from my perspective, just to see Beaver Builder, um, as a page builder, getting some headlines against the um the ongoing kind of flow of news about block editor templates that we're constantly uh, reading about all the time. They look really nice as well. Actually. Yeah, they are. Honestly, I think um. The next, the next post as well is um, about Elementor, actually. They've just done an update. So 
Yeah, you can see that today I was really just trying to give a bit of a balance across the different ways that people can do things. And there's obviously Elementor is, you know, where you've got Astra's the most popular premium theme. Elementor is probably the most popular, or at least it's the fastest growing page builder. And also we kind of discovered recently probably accounts for a lot of the growth of WordPress in the last year or so, if you look at the stats. Now Elementor, this, this particular update from Elementor, it's mainly again about templates and performance. So they're doing some things to try and help with performance because Elementor has taken a lot of um, criticism from the inner circle, the, the real hardcore Elementor users. And it's become, you know, it's taken a bit of a beating in the community at times for its uh, its problems with performance, which which are not just its own problems. It's obviously how you use the tool. But I did hear an, a, a CEO from a hosting company the other day talking about some of their users who used to use traditional page builders like Beaver Builder and Elementor who had switched to the block editor. And he said that they were accidentally creating more performance sites. So very loud vehicle just went past, sorry. Um, so it seems that Elementor are trying to address the performance. But if you do go to their latest post, which is on their site, and it, I think it is uh, introducing Elementor 3.3, revolutionizing the way you create websites, what you'll see is an experience that has been created with Elementor that is mostly codeless, as far as I can probably tell, and would be near impossible to recreate with the block editor. So I think one of the things about this is the block editor has got a long way to go if it wants to enable people to create experiences like what we're looking at on the screen at the moment with all this parallax kind of stuff. It's not my cup of tea. I'm not really into this kind of everything moves everywhere as you as you go down. But the fact is, you can do it with no code. So congratulations to uh, Elementor on their 3.3 launch um, and making it again easier for their users to create cool websites and to try and constantly help them to make them less heavy on the browser. You, so you all going in the right direction. You've got to say, I mean, like, I, I don't know about the whole animation thing. I, preference would be just nice, clean text. That works for me. But yeah, a boatload of stuff going on on this page. <laughs> there really is. And the idea that you can basically, I presume if you're fairly proficient with the, the tool element or not necessarily CSS transitions and, and what have you, this stuff you can actually do just in a, a GUI is really incredible. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? It really, really. is impressive. Yeah, there's a, an awful lot going on. It does take a considerable length of time to scroll to the bottom of this page because yeah. every time you get to an element, you have to keep scrolling to make the interactions happen. So, for example, at the moment, we're watching all these UI elements appear on the page and they, they scroll, and the more that you scroll, the more they move until everything's finally in its place. But that took me about five scrolls on the Mac trackpad thing mm. so there's there's quite a you know it does take quite a lot of time to get through but boy is it is it and this is a blog at. post yeah, it's, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah wow yeah anyway what what's in it they've got um they've got these new website kits haven't they where you can yep. like do the full entire website in a click yep i don't think they i think they're reframing from calling it full site editing after getting in a bit of an argument with the core team about that <laughs> on Twitter, I think. Um, but essentially, they are, you know, offering the same kind of functionality, that ability that with Elementor, you can do your footer, your your header, your archives, your single post templates, connect things to dynamic content. 
and then save the whole thing as an as a template that you can then import in one or few clicks to import as a kit that you could deliver as a productized website service. So they're they're showing what the future is, whether or not the block editor gets there. This is if the block editor does what everyone wants it to, you will eventually be able to do this with the block editor as well through third parties or through the core itself. But you can kind of see they're really leading the way on that. Um, so well done to them. I um, I watched the video. Ben Pines made a video walkthrough. And, and actually, it, all the CSS transitions and the, the website kits and all that weren't the thing which I was most impressed with. It was this mm. on the screen at the minute. This is such a great little tool. So it's it's a color picker. It's the kind of thing that you probably got as a Chrome extension. You know, you want to know what the color is on this particular part of the site, but it, it doesn't behave in the way that you might expect. So, for example, if you want to color in a button in Elementor now, you can go to the button element and pick the color picker and just go to some random part of the site where you know that's the color I want and click it and your button will instantly become that color. And that's a really cool little time saver. I like it. I think that's a really neat, neat little feature. If you're doing microsites, you know, these one page landing pages and stuff like that, and you're using imagery and you want your elements on the page to be naturally tied to the imagery. So, you know, so you break out of your brand. So Elementor's brand colors, I can't remember what they are now, but they used to be pink. And um, and on a page like what we're looking at here, there's kind of like a, a, a sort of um, beigey purple color. And let's say that was an ad, then you could use the color picker and make sure that the buttons that you're creating worked well with the the design that you you are having so it's stuff that their users want and um they're they're always addressing it not everyone will be happy some people will move to other platforms some people go to oxygen beaver builder uh block editor but uh some of them will stay and uh we'll get these new tools to play with i have a nice little chrome extension i expect you've all got it as well it's called hoverify i think that's how you pronounce it um to do the color picking it's really nice because you can you click the one button and it not only will it do the color picker thing but it will you know it'll show you all the elements as you click on them and what all the css is that makes them up and the fonts and what have you but there's this great feature where it just gives you every single image or video on the screen and you just click one button and it just downloads them all in one zip so that's a really nice little feature. Hoverify, if you never. That's come super that. cool. It is. It's yeah. really. It's a real yeah. time saver. Um, I believe it's called Hoverify. Let me just click on it in my browser. Uh, yeah, Hoverify. And mm -hmm. I need to put the license code in because I've only just updated the browser. <laughs> but that's what it's called anyway. Um, Joe, anything on that, or should we press on? Uh, I mean, I think. Uh, no, I don't really have anything. Good to add. I, you know, I think between this and Beaver Builder and the block editor, I think we all have a choice for the for our preference, right? For for at least less less code, right? Um, I would be curious to dig into the markup of this and the actual performance. I mean, this mm. page obviously uh, is probably a little over the top than pages should be to show off everything that Elementor can do, but. Uh, I'd be curious to see, you know, page speed time and, and the markup because I know Beaver Builder suffers from that a little bit. Too many embedded divs. Um, but, I, you know, I think this is really cool. I think if this is what uh, Elementor users want, then I'm, I'm happy to see a company listening to their users instead of just pressing on with whatever roadmap they want to yeah, yeah, nice. implement. 
Hello, Peter, in the comments. He says his fast scrolling mouse, he often ends up with blank parts of the page. Yeah, that, that is the danger, isn't it? You scroll yeah. to a point where, you know, it just so happens that it finishes the scroll that you've just initiated on a totally blank thing because it's about to go between two different things. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, okay, let's move on in that case and go to this one. I'm guessing that every single person that is connected with WordPress probably picked up this story at some point this week. It was massive news for a really short amount of time because it got patched. And my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, guys, but my understanding is that the critical vulnerability which was detected in WooCommerce was automatically pushed as an update. So hopefully everybody just by having their website online, got it automatically pushed. I don't really know uh, a great deal about what the what the problem was or if anybody was affected. I confess I read this about six days ago or whenever it first came out, and I've forgotten since then, but I've put this one in just to say, if for some reason you have got a, Word, a WooCommerce site where you haven't been updating or you've somehow managed to stop it from updating, then uh, go and get it checked out. There's uh, there's links to um, what it's all about and what you need to do to mitigate this problem. But it was severe enough that Automatic stepped in and and pushed an update to to absolutely everybody. And I guess if they're doing that, they mean business. There must have been something pretty nasty in there. Did you read it, Paul or Joe? Did you get into the bottom of the weeds here? I didn't. I didn't dig into exactly what happened. I have on my reading list. Uh, I'll share this in the private chat. Um, Tony Perez, uh, the I think the former CEO of Sakuri. I don't I don't think yeah. he is the CEO of Sakuri anymore. Um, uh, has a good write up about what exactly happened, and it, it had to do with um, SQL injections, um, which is big bad, right? That's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a whole comic by XKCD about how important sanitizing your inputs are. So, um. You know, Tony has a really good write-up, and he's very knowledgeable about this. But yeah, it was a forced update. Um, my personal coverage of it on the WP Review was about how I have a very good hosting that patched it. Like, I was sitting on the couch with my wife. We were watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I'm just getting cool, into. Cool, I'm cool. Like late, late to the party. Um, and I saw the email come in, and I was like, ah, my host probably has it. Yeah. Um, covered and I just kept watching and they did they patched it immediately or they put like a block in place immediately and then patched it as soon as they could yeah um, you did it 90 plus wow it's got it's a, up, up the patch fixes 90 plus releases going all the way back it's a great long list here back to 3.36 it would appear so it's a long long time ago anyway needless to say if like Joe you are on good hosting, managed worse for hosting. Presumably it's been dealt with. Even if you're on cheap hosting, it should have been dealt with. But um, anyway, go and check. Make sure you're on the, the latest version because this stuff matters. Um, speaking of hosting, we had we had this piece of news from Cloudways this week. I, I don't have any Cloudways um, infrastructure in my setup. So I'm sure, I think Paul at various times has said this. So yeah, you, yeah, you may be more knowledgeable about this. But they've introduced a, a new, 
a new system whereby you can recover lost servers and applications in their UI. Apparently in the past, if something went catastrophically wrong, let's say you deleted something inadvertently, so you took the whole server down, deleted everything and so on, you then had to contact their support. Their support would add it to a queue of similar people in similar situations and having a large customer base. They reckon that list could take about 24 hours to clear. In the t during that time, of course, your incredibly valuable e-commerce property could have been losing boatloads of money. But now apparently it can be done in the interface and they reckon in less time than it takes you to eat a meal, you'll be back up and running. I don't know if there's another service which when you go through that, are you sure you want to delete? Are you really sure you want to delete? Are you really, really sure? Yes. And th then they've still got you back. That seems pretty extraordinary to me. I'm presuming that Cloudways warn you not to delete things, but even on the other side of making that error, They've got your back. It takes less than an hour to mm. restore everything. It's kind of a nice thing to have. Good insurance policy. It is. And I'm sure it's based on some things going wrong for some users. And obviously, if you were, you know, you were looking after all the sites yourselves, you would have multiple backups of things anyway, historically. But not everyone has that. And not everybody who inherits a website from another client, for instance, if you if you're a freelancer or an agency, has that history. I got two um I hope I can remember them. Two use cases that come to mind. Uh, one, this this coming Thursday, uh, we're launching a website for someone who is already on Cloudways, but we're taking over and we will launch this, this new site for them. We didn't do their old site. We don't have any of their old backups, nothing. So at some point, the, the new site will go live and we've had all the conversations around, have you got everything that you need from your old site? Have you got your backups? Yes, yes, yes. But sometimes the answer is yes, yes, yes. And then no. it turns out it was actually no. And it was just, we didn't quite understand the question, Paul, you were asking us, but we need our old site and we don't have our backups. And this just means that you've got a couple of weeks to figure out that something that you deleted because you wanted to stop the billing happening. So that's what, I mean, I get that a lot when people change over from a hosting company. Sometimes the launch date of a website is to do with their billing cycle. And they desperately want to finish that and not pay for things twice, even if it's only a small amount of money. So just to have that fallback so that when the person who was before you has gone and is like signed, you know, a signed, a signed thing saying I'm nothing to do with you anymore, client, and you're the new person, doesn't matter what the situation is, you're still going to have to try and clean up the mess. So this to me is, is, a, is a cool thing, uh, really. The other scenario that I think that I just remembered that is kind of useful it's rare, but I've come across websites when we've taken them on that the the actual DNS is so convoluted, like it's going through multiple different, goes through a name server, then it's going through this, then it's going through that, that you, you're not even 100% sure if the website really is where you think it is. You, you're 99% sure, but you're like, I want to turn this off and I just would like to be able to turn it back on again if it's not really there in a couple of days, if something, you know, if, you know, or if like a, an entire folder of images that you that didn't come across in an import or export, um, turned out that all the galleries, you know, in some deep blog post somewhere on this site were missing all the images and you didn't have any history of backups. You can go back to that person and say, Hey, um, because often you don't get the ability to say, can I go and get the backup? Because an old, an old agency or freelancer, won't let you do it. They've, they're being, you know, awkward and they, they're trying to offload and possibly even create a problem for you. So 
it's useful. It's just a it's just a, a quality of life thing for uh, Cloudways users for scenarios they might not realize they have, but the day that they do, they'll be so glad it's there. Yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. anything on that? Uh, strong advice for people who are freelancing, especially like WordPress freelancers. Uh, your client should own the hosting and the domain. You can register it for them if you want, but uh, they. It should be their account and their credit card information for reasons like this. Because um, <laughs> I have i can't, ex I mean, like, and I resell hosting too, so I can't, you know, but I, I can't fully take this advice, I guess. But I've run into a lot of issues where, oh, my, my guy just disappeared and I don't know how to get the website or the domain. They should especially own the domain. I'll just say that, right? Yeah. I, I could say that with a certain amount of uh, confidence. But and email. Yeah, for sure. Even more so. uh, yeah. Yeah. I've I've done it where I've set it up um for them with my info. And then I said, here's how you log in, here's how you change the credit card info. Uh if you don't right. do it by the next time I'm billed, you're gonna get like an extra hundred dollar bill or whatever. Uh an extra hundred dollars billed to you. Um so like it's just that's just really important. And I will say, like, I mean, especially now, because you just kind of assume backups happen. Like, I've got Time Machine. I've got Backblaze. Uh, I just, just kind of delete things with reckless abandon, assuming I have a backup. Uh, the other day, I deleted <laughs> nearly my whole Gmail archive Ooh. on purpose <laughs> because uh, I switched to the mail app and accidentally marked everything as unread. Uh, and I couldn't mark them mm. and uh, seeing a badge of more than like 11 gives me agita. Mm -hmm. Like I just can't. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? Like there's probably nothing important in these emails. And then like that night I was like, well, I needed some information from somewhere. And luckily there was like an old copy of it from an IMAP copy on one of my machines that hadn't fully synced, but nice. Yeah. I, I, I was about to go like backblaze spelunking. Like looking for, because oh, no. uh, I'm sure there, I'm sure like there are copies of those emails somewhere in Backblaze, but I'm glad I, I didn't um, have to. So. I use a a service called Spider Oak for desktop backup, and one of the nice features I I got a deal, and they they run it periodically. It's kind of like a Black Friday thing. I think they've run it twice. You were you were able to purchase an unlimited uh, backup solution, and they they measure the account nice. the the Cost of your account is based upon how much data is stored, not how mm -hmm. much transfers and what have you. And uh, one of the nice features about that is they delete nothing. They just stick it into the recycle bin, and the recycle bin has the exact same folder structure as the PC or the Mac nice. would have done. And it just contributes to your overall cost if you've got a recycle yeah. bin just full of stuff. But it's because I'm on this unlimited count, I'm, account, for the last 10 years, nothing that I've created is, is gone. It's all there. And I had to test it out about six months ago, something that I needed. It was a family thing, little sort of birth certificate type of thing. There it was, just nice. sitting there, cold storage. It's absolutely fabulous. Highly recommended. It's a bit of a bit of a funky Java UI, but it's it's a ni nice bit of kit. I'll say, That's Nathan, awesome. you've been pushing that spider egg thing. I, it's so since, good. Since literally the first day I met you, you're like, 
Anything yeah, Nathan, that Edward use, uh, Snowden recommends, <laughs> it's um, it's like um, it, it's zero knowledge, so yeah. everything's encrypted before it egresses, and that was yeah. it was one of the first ones to do it. You know, in the in the era of Dropbox and everything, where all that was becoming really popular, they took the opposite approach. So it's it takes longer yeah. to back up because it has to encrypt everything, but they don't know it. But the other downside is if you lose your master password, you are totally hosed. There is no way back, but don't lose your master password. That's um, why I just... use my first name for my master password on everything. <laughs> I just use one, two, three, four. It's simple. As long as I can count, sorted. Yeah, right. Just like uh, in Spaceballs. Yeah, audience... change, change the code on my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I just want to quickly go back to the WooCommerce story because Paul Hughes made. Uh, sorry, not Paul Hughes. Christopher Hughes makes a comment. He just wants to say it, all of it, all of that updating happened to him late in the evening, and I did hear that this caused a few problems. I think it was Hughes in our little private Facebook group, mm. Paul, who he was up like one in the morning or something, and he had things to fix. And yeah, then not I this, not Hughes as in Christopher Hughes. You're talking no, about no, Hughes. I did, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, if you person. look at the yeah. comments on the piece, I should probably put it on the screen. One second. This is the this is the actual piece. Any time that you get a comment thread, you know, Ouch. I mean, how, how yeah. look at it. And a lot of it is just people saying things are brown. It's all oh, died. Dear. Yeah, and look at it. This yeah. goes on and on and on. I think so, the last time something like this happened, there was a, a side discussion about whether they should even be allowed to do it or not. Or was that a different? That was, was Jetpack. That, that was, was Jetpack. Jet oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Did a forced security update for like the yeah. carousel module. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course. Which like this is this is something like they say on the tavern like this is rarely used and I'm like it's been used like twice in the last two months. Yeah. Um Which for I think for WooCommerce it should have been right, like because. Yeah storing orders and information yeah. like that um yeah. i just i ordered cigars off of a website two weeks ago right before their website got taken down by hackers uh and it was down for over a week like yeah. and they are a big seller here in the united states at least so like i can't imagine how much i canceled my order i was like i can't trust you guys um uh <laughs> i'll buy it from my local shop but um so, like, I think it's really important. And un unfortunately, like, things are going to break and you'll be mad. But if you're doing e-commerce, I, I would I would caution, again, like, single freelancers, like, like one-man shops, one-woman shops. If you're going to do e-commerce, then you, you need to be prepared for something like this to happen, right? Because if you're doing a shop for um, a website... And and their cart goes down and and they're losing money. This is why I try not to do e-commerce shops. Yeah, me like, too. Exactly like I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, or you can go with, uh, you know, there are two companies that come to mind. I don't know if you want me to name them on the show. You can they, feel free. It's fine. Uh, go, both GoWP and WP Buffs offer yep. like white label twenty four seven support for like very cheap. Uh, <laughs> like uh, I mean, cheap. You know, based on volume of clients, right? They do white labeling. Um, and so having a service like that would have probably saved a lot of people a lot of time. I'm sure they were very busy. Um, but, you know, they they have the infrastructure in place to support your clients in a way that maybe you can't as as a solo business owner. Uh, again, this is not I, I host one client e-commerce site and he just sells like one off art pieces. Uh, so I knew that. Nothing Not too crazy critical. was happening. Yeah, yeah. nothing too ha crazy was happening. My e-commerce site was safe thanks to my hosting company. 
Um, so, yeah. Personally, yeah. I would never, never wish on anyone hosting a mission critical. I mean, it's difference between like a website that has like a t-shirt shop on the side for swag versus a website that the e-commerce is the business. Right. So the website is secondary. It's the functionality of the e-commerce that makes the business. And right. for every moment that is down, like the cigar website that you talked about, they're losing money and reputation yeah. quickly. And someone somewhere is having a really bad day right. um, about that. And so, I mean, if you, if any of you, anyone is watching or listens to this and is new and is happens to be watching or recently watching a YouTube video along the lines of how to set up your digital agency from scratch to sell WooCommerce websites and make a fortune. Stop watching that video and just go and watch some fail stuff instead and start somewhere, <laughs> yeah. start somewhere a bit lower down the chain. Yeah. Um, because you're going to have some bad times. Good yeah. advice. And, and I should say, I didn't, with the, you know, it's not like a website went down and that's why I canceled my order. They just completely biffed the communication um, and, and, and the whole handling of, they didn't tell anybody until like six o'clock PM Eastern, which is the time zone they're in on Friday. Oh, so the nice. site had already yeah, been down for like two and a half days. Oh, something happened really. Sorry. Your credit card information wasn't stolen, but data could have been nothing about pending orders. I emailed them and tweeted them and I just got canned responses. Like we can't do anything because our whole system is down. So we can't handle your order. And I'm like, I want to cancel it. And they're like, same canned email. Just I had to talk to somebody on the phone. Uh, and so like when something like this does happen, again, communication is key. But if you're going to take on especially mission critical e-commerce sites, you I think you need to have an infrastructure in place to handle if a site goes down at 3 a.m. your time and you yeah. don't want to handle it. Bravo. You know? Good yeah. advice because nobody nobody wants to go through that it's interesting yeah. as well you mentioned the fact that you you went off and you bought them at your local store and you also mentioned reputational damage you imagine if, if it was a mission critical site it really doesn't take long for you to become embedded in another commerce site that does the same thing like your your cigar store a is right. very quickly going to be replaced by cigar store b that sells the exact mm -hmm. same product maybe there's like 20 cent different or something and yeah. now you're like well that's my that's my new one I go right. there and it, all millions of customers just shunt over there in one fell swoop. Yeah. And, and compet I mean, speaking specifically about cigars, competition in Pennsylvania is pretty stiff because we have no tobacco tax here, uh, like state level tobacco tax. So uh, there are two or three major cigar distributors in the state. Um, and that's why like there also are also like a lot of local shops. Like there's like probably five within driving distance of my house. Wow. Um, yeah, just because like it's a good, you know, it's in in New York where I grew up, it's like a 75% tobacco tax. In California, it's like 125% tobacco tax. Um, uh, same thing in Boston. And so like it was, it was, I like supporting my local shop, but when I do bulk orders, this one website, I have a really good discount code for from like a private Facebook group I'm in. So I would just do that. And, I, and is the 17% uh on top of their normal discounts like is that worth it i was happy to support the local shop um mm. i just did it because uh you know they had a few cigars that wasn't weren't at my local shop i just found replacements mm. so i noticed on your social media you found some and, yes uh, yes i have to say i don't know much about cigars but they looked pretty cool 
Cigars yeah. are really not a thing in this country, are they? I mean, honestly, I reckon I could go an entire year, probably more like two, and never see anybody smoking a cigar. You They're know, just... in- interestingly, when we honeymooned in Italy, I I expected to see a couple of lounges at least. But there weren't. There were these like uh, tabacherias, I guess they're called, like smoke shops um, that happened to sell cigars. And the one in Florence, um, I got to talking to the guy and he was like, oh, so you like actually smoke cigars? And I'm like, yes. And then he like showed me the secret stash with the good stuff. Um, Or he was just playing me because I was a tourist. But like he had some cigars (laughs) there that I had never seen before. Uh, I'd never seen in a shop before that I knew about. So like it sounded pretty good, but. Um, I, I kind of expected them to be a bigger thing in Italy as well. Uh, and they weren't, I don't know, is, uh, in, is tobacco taxed heavily in Europe? I think, I think certainly, um, regular cigarettes are exceedingly expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't smoke, but, um, not only are they taxed heavily, but they're also, they're not allowed to brand anything. So it, it sits yeah. as a, basically a white packet with, yep. With fairly, um, I've fairly... seen the strong language. <laughs> yeah, and the images and as photos, well. So there's, yeah. there's lots yeah. of imagery as well, and yeah. that that all happened in the last sort of ten years or so. Oh, interesting. And, uh, but even as a kid, when there were, you know, when I could go to my school staff room and just about all the teachers were, you know, smoking in yeah, the school right. staff room. Well, that whole it's just all moved into a different direction over here, and I don't know what it's like in the states, but you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to smoke in a public spot. Um, that's becoming increasingly the case i think when in like 2003 is when most places banned smoking indoors yep um and and now it's like a lot of places don't let you smoke outside like Mm. close to a building either Mm. um so you know i think that's increasingly the case i mean and our our surgeon's general warning is not nearly as in your face as the ones I've seen on, on European cigarette packs, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's still, it's still there. And you know, a big change from like, uh, I was listening to like an old Abbott and Costello bit from like the thirties and it was like four out of five doctors recommend cigarettes. That's right. like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we strayed into a totally different subject. We haven't done tobacco or cigars before. So that, that was nice. Nice. Well, we've ticked it off the list now. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, We've done that. that's done. But yeah, um, you know, one, uh, one more thing. Um, when you buy cigarettes in the UK, Joe, uh, they're now not even allowed to have them on display. So you have to ask for them and then they have to kind of pull the shutter across with the oh, hidden wow. cigarettes behind so that people don't go, you know, where, the, where all the sugary sweets are on the front to try and get yeah. you to buy those. Yeah. The, uh, the, the cigarettes are, uh, are hidden away. Wow, so even really even and they have to close it after everything as well. So even if they see yeah. they know the people who are like that person wants cigarettes, that person they have to keep opening and closing the thing. Wow. Um, so yeah. Right. Okay. Let's uh, move on to WordPress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So we did. We just went back to WooCommerce. Sorry about that. I uh, just wanted to drag <laughs> you back into this. I think this next one might be really up Joe's street. Um, this is. Justin Tadlock over on WP Tavern, and he wrote a piece called Contributing to Open Source is Better Than Any College Degree. So um, I, I, I went to college. We, we, we don't really call it college over here. We tend to call it university. Um, and I went to university, and my degree has got nothing to do with technology. And so I kind of followed a similar story to Justin in a way in that I mean, I don't make themes or anything like that, but, you know, I went, did a degree and then 
realized that there wasn't really an avenue that would that would be a direct career from that and then dropped into web development like many of us did and um and so i i sort of share his thoughts on this and what i mean by that is i could totally see why at the age of 17 or 18 when people go to college or university in this country you may go and do something and at the end of it kind of think hmm don't really know what to do now, even though I've got this degree, I'm not really sure it's pointing me in the in a direction that's obvious. And so he's just sort of saying he learned an awful lot just by digging out WordPress and getting stuck into it. And I can kind of subscribe to that. And obviously, Joe, you're in the you're in the business very often of making courses to enable people who perhaps have no experience of college, they're just looking for a different way to make some money. To, to up their skills and, and get good at something which could be a, a career for them. So it was an interesting, an interesting article, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And so I will not take anything away from Justin's personal story. Uh, I think that this is a lot of people, right? When w- Justin and I are about the same age. And when I went to college, like there wasn't even, they didn't really even teach web development. Like they taught Java programming, um, there was a 2D animation course that taught Flash, um, and it's just in in you know maybe like halfway through my degree, we started getting like an actual like good HTML and CSS course. Well, it was probably really good after I graduated because I taught it. But um, <laughs> uh, but you know I have my master's in software engineering. I learned all of the important things I know about programming. Thanks to my degree, including how to learn new languages and 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 things like that. So that's a nice point. Yeah, I don't I don't want to take anything away from anybody who's like self taught. I know a lot of people who are self taught. I'm I'm mostly self taught. My rub with the uh, with the quote is that it wasn't from Justin. It was from Matt Mullenweg. Uh, who said, I think contributing to open source is better than any college degree, which is a really nice hubrisy thing to say for somebody who created one of the biggest open source projects on the planet. Um, I So I don't think that vast generalization of everything and everyone is, I think it takes away from the hard work that goes into a college degree. Um, and I think it takes away from the other stuff you learn from getting a college degree. Now, Matt, mm. obviously much more successful than me. He uh, did not complete his college degree, right? He dropped out of college and got a, a job at uh, CNET and then went on to found, again, a very an extremely successful uh, company supporting open source. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that generalizations like this uh, take away from everything that you could get from college. I learned how to be more assertive in college. I learned how to be more sociable in college uh, on top of everything I learned about programming. And I think that you can see uh, where lack of formal education... I, again, I don't want to take away from anybody, but I think you can see where lack of formal education has hurt the WordPress project if we look at the database design of WordPress. Because it is especially now that it's expanded to support a whole bunch of things, it's a pretty poorly designed database. I don't think uh, I'm saying anything groundbreaking here. (laughs) Throwing everything into an options or a meta table is not great database design. Um, Perhaps 
someone who was someone who is uh, more familiar with database design could have created something more efficient. Uh, and I I know that the 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 project is working on improving things and making them as fast as possible, but the database probably at this point needs a complete overhaul. Like just, again, just throwing everything into the options table um, uh, is not good database design. Um, Cameron makes, I think, a point that cropped up elsewhere. I agree with the premise of the article, but it smacks of privilege. What's your thoughts on this, Paul? Oh, there's so many different, it's a really thought-provoking article. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if they they adjusted the title at some point because the title does have quote in it. So it is straight away sort of saying that this isn't a statement. It is a commentary on what someone else said and it happens to be obviously Matt Mullenweg. Um, So there's there's so many different ways you can just react to this article. I mean, I'm just going to, first of all, my own sort of just in Tadlock version is that, you know, I've got two kids and when I went to university, I did go to university and it was free. I didn't have to pay anything. I was the last, I was the last year that didn't have to pay anything in England. You can still get free education at university in Scotland, I think. Yes. That's what I know. But in England, uh, and when I started, you know, the year after me had to pay a thousand pounds a year. So it wasn't even, it wasn't like what it is now. I think the average the average debt for a, someone in the US after after university or college is something like forty thousand dollars, and I'm sure that that's that's just the. And I imagine that there's all sorts of other kind of contributing, you know, where it's parents paying for things and stuff like that. So tuition own, fees here are now nine and a half thousand pounds per, per annum. Yeah, per year, yeah, it's about twelve thousand uh, dollars, no matter where you go. Yeah, my, I came out with plenty of debt, but that was my own fault. You know, I just blew wow. money. My alma mater is probably around forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. without we, we have a really, a really different experience. I think when it comes to higher education, because th- that's a government cap. The the no matter who you are or what university you represent, that figure cannot be cannot exceed that. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the more let's call them prestigious universities, the one that you may, the ones that you may have heard of, are, are kind of often um, and constantly trying to say, look can we go a little bit higher? And the answer is no. So we've got this really peculiar system where there's a cap. I think if you go to do some degrees where there's a a, a body of actual stuff which needs to be put in front of you, so let's say science or medicine, where, you know, there's there's commodities that need to be bought as opposed to lectures and pencils and paper and all that, the, the figure might be a little bit higher. But I think we come out saddled with less debt typically than than a, a North American would like mm-hmm. quite a lot less. Yeah, I I suspect, and I mean like you know there are state universities, right? Um, incentives to go to a university in your state. There's the state universities of New York. So maybe you've heard of like SUNY Albany uh, or SUNY Binghamton um, that are dramatically cheaper. There's no, as far as I know, there's no cap on tuition. But you know, I went to a private Jesuit college outside my state. Um, because I got in there and I liked the program. And so when I went, it was like $36,000 per year. Um, grad school was free for me because I got an assistantship. Uh, so, you know, it was like a, a scholarship and I taught. But it, I mean, it is expensive. And I don't want to 
I don't want to discount that at all. It's expensive here in the United States. Um, but again, I think that, I mean, Paul, we just like waylaid your story. I'm really sorry, but, uh, I think, I I think there are other benefits, other benefits to college. I think that having the guidance of in a good program of experienced teachers, um, who can mentor you. My teacher, my, I mean, my, my advisor for my master's thesis is extremely smart. Um, and, uh, I think there are a lot of benefits to to college than just learning how to code, right? You can take like a PHP course on LinkedIn Learning taught by somebody on this call if you just want to learn PHP. But there are a lot of other benefits. Hmm. Sorry, Paul. You carry on from yeah. where we... Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, sorry, super important really point. Uh, Lee Jackson, I think it is, says he really likes Joe's lamp. Um Agreed. We all do. We were talking about it before the show as well. Um, in terms of the uh, the university thing, what I was saying was that there's a couple of things I want to say. So I've got a couple of kids and I you know, think, oh, should, are they going to go? Do, do they want to go to university? What is university these days? Is it the same kind of relevance? Because, you know, the internet changed everything. Um, and, you know, generally I always thought, well, maybe entrepreneurial sort of route is better for my kids or to at least give them the the narrative that there isn't just the one that you're going to get told through the school system that the way to be successful is to go to university, which was, Nathan, I'm pretty sure you'd say the same, was the narrative when we were growing up, that that was the route to, um, there was even a, a board game called The Game of Life and you either chose university or you chose a vocational option i think they've updated the game now to some more things like you can be a celebrity influencer and stuff like this or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah yeah seriously it's not a very good game anymore um but the so it helped me sort of just add another option of okay there must be sorry one second no no don't worry keep going regardless of the dog we we don't care yeah she's gone downstairs now she's so there's, there's multiple options to routes people can take through to to kickstart their career and it just added another one to me in terms of um cameron's comment about the privilege like absolutely um you can you can definitely read into that can you hear the dog barking still it's totally fine paul dope so is it okay yeah you can totally um see where where that point comes on and there's a lot of discussion about that on twitter actually and it's in in certain places it's not gone down well this article at all um, because of the whole privilege um, angle to the discussion, and you know, there was there was I saw counter arguments to that, saying, "Well, hang on a minute, university if it costs like forty thousand dollars, then surely open source route would be a less priv- you know a would be a, a cheaper route." But then I saw some great counters to that, saying, "Well, if you are from a particular group of people that gets um, you know a, the the really rough end of the stick constantly, then." then basically having a degree whereas you know some of us might think that's kind of just a piece of paper because that's what a lot of people say oh it's just a piece of paper having that degree is something that some groups of people need just to be on the same level of the exact same person who doesn't have the degree the degree i don't know too much about this because i'm relatively ignorant about it all but if you go and search on twitter there is some you know search the name of this article on twitter you can see so many different angles that people are taking from this. Um, one thing, though, if you do go and you know look into this in more detail, is that 
the article was probably written in good faith, obviously, and quotes a part of what Matt Mullenweg said in that interview, which was just part of a discussion with Josefa Hayden Chomposi. And there is a full the, the quote isn't quoted in full. And and so I think it's easy to make some assumptions from the quote as a result. So they're talking about something, and then the full quote is Matt Mullenweg says, Yeah, it's also a new technology stack. So let's say you want to be involved in WordPress, but your expertise is more on the Python side or Elasticsearch or something like that. We now have a project where people who are into that or want to learn about it can get involved. Then we get the rest of the quote, because of course, you know, contributing and being involved in open source is probably the best way to learn a technology better than any college degree. So if you put it in the context of that, first of all, you can say, well, we're not assuming now that this is a brand new learner every time. This isn't like an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old. It can be somebody, it could be Joe, it could be you with your master's degree that that basically, you know, you, you obviously wrote the book about WordPress at certain points, but let's say you didn't. And now after all that education, you're like, well, now I'd like to get involved in WordPress. Do I need to take another degree? Because you've mm-hmm. already, you know, so it's kind of like there's, First of all, the full quote, I think you've got to take the full quote for what it is and the context that it was said in. And secondly, um, we, we can't make too many assumptions about who the exact individual is who is faced with this zero-sum choice when it's not, there isn't a zero-sum choice. We don't know how old they are, what other things they've been educated in and what their options are. And it's really, to me, this is just an anecdotal comment with an anecdotal take on what they thought about it, but it started a great discussion online and raised some important points, I think. So I've certainly yeah. learned from it. I think I think that I mean probably the quote creates a false dichotomy, right? I, I'm obviously in in both camps, for example. Um I also I just want to uh address Lee's comment about my accent. Thank you. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't put <laughs> so um <laughs> but uh this is uh so I think it, it does create a little bit of a false dichotomy. And, and I have been saying for years, right? Because in the United States, when your kid's born, you can open, a, it's called a 529 account, uh, which is basically a, a, a college fund. And it's an interest accruing uh, a, a investment fund. Uh, so you could put some money in there each month. And by the time the kid's 18 or 17, they can, they have a college fund. I have told my wife multiple times, I don't want to do that because by the time my kids are, college age i assume uh based on this on this very uh facebook comment that just came up um that there's going to be a college bubble burst right uh college is increasingly expensive people are learning more online um i still think that there is an important aspect of college as i said before but um, there are, I guess, I guess my point is people learn lots of ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was involved in WordPress very early on in college. Both have affected my, my path. Um, but I think that I, I, yeah, I guess it, it creates a false dichotomy. You can, you can be both. I, you, you, I don't think one is better than the other. And I understand what Matt is doing in this interview, right? He's saying, look, we, we run a, a very successful open source project. We need more contributors. This is a great way to learn. Um, and again, Justin's take is his personal take. My take is my personal take. Um, 
So I, you know, I, I do what's best for you, I guess. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. Mm. I, I had such a nice time at university. I absolutely loved it. And it was like you were saying, there are so many skills which have got nothing to do with the name of my degree. Right. Like the ability to learn, the ability to research, the, 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 the application that I probably didn't have as a 17 year old that I gained because it was, you know, the first point in my life where I was kind of out on my own and I had to figure it all out for myself, all of those wonderful things. And it's really only with the benefit of hindsight in, you know, looking back from this point, like, what did I end up doing? Okay, maybe there was a different route which would have got me here. And I think it might be Lee in the comment. I can't see if it's Lee or not, but this comment was sort of saying a similar thing. You know, he, um, he did his own... Um, thing he didn't go to university again sorry if this isn't lee whoever it is i can't see your name they didn't go to university didn't get that kind of a qualification so i went the vocational route um is still very employable but the 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 wonder for this person is would that have been speeded up would there have been an accelerated path had the university option been open so yeah i think you're right joe the, the opportunities to learn online are just so incredible these days it does it does throw into question yeah. which way you want to go and which suits you better and how yeah. you want to take your own life. Yes, that yeah. was Lee. Thank you, Lee. Um, yeah, and the only—I mean, the only thing I worry about—and uh, it's probably like one of these. I'm like an elder millennial now, and I'm worried about the world changing, and it's not what I was like, but um, or what I've experienced. But like, I, you know, I wonder how my my kids are going to get that interpersonal interaction. Right? I was very involved in extracurricular activities, both in high school and college. And those are the things that shaped me the most. That's where I made the most friends. Uh, I met my wife through my teaching assistantship. So, um, you know, those are, I, I firmly believe uh, that college, my experience at an in-person college sent me on the path. I wouldn't be where I am today without it uh, for, a, for a bevy of reasons. And I, I wonder as we switch to, to more of an online approach, which I suspect we will, right? Because college is, is too expensive. It's maybe criminally expensive. Um, but I, I, I do think about that. I, I did a TEDx talk a few years ago about like these co-learning spaces, very similar to co-working spaces, except you have a bunch of college students taking online courses in a shared space so they can all kind of interact with each other even though they're going to different colleges. So you get that kind of peer-to-peer network that you wouldn't get just straight up learning online. But Oh, that's, that's interesting. The, yeah. I, yeah, that's really, <laughs> I didn't even know that kind of thing occurred. That's fascinating. I don't know if it does yet, but this is like a, a future. I, I did the talk just as co-working spaces were starting to get big in Northeastern Pennsylvania. At least I'm sure they were like huge in like San Francisco, like 10 years before that. But um. Yeah, it's just something I was thinking about. Like, you know, we have co-working for remote workers. Soon we're going to have remote learners. I think we probably should have something similar to that so that like kids n- know how to interact with other people their age or older. Yeah. There's so much to debate here. Mm. I think I think we've probably Can I can I add sh- one thing just to I yeah, just agree with Joe really that my I mean, I was brought up in a small village and it wasn't until I went to university that which I am, you know, obviously I'm privileged to do so and especially privileged that it didn't cost me anything apart from the junk that I bought there and money that I wasted on other things, extracurricular, you might call them. But the my whole understanding of population and who's in it changed when I went to university because my entire world was 
the village and the local town next to it. I was, you know, and I don't think you would really get that experience elsewhere unless you're actively doing other things that replaced that that experience. I was extremely immature. I still am. I mean, look, look, I look like a skateboarder and I'm in my early 40s. <laughs> <laughs> this but, is the quote this is what the episode's called yeah but <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I did mature somewhat over the years while i was there and at least had a better understanding of the world at large and and where i might sit within it so so yeah i think a good good balance but i honestly don't know it'd be tough being a, a young person these days for whatever background you're from knowing what the right choices are and the right narratives to follow Mm. Education. Um, I'm just writing down. I'm a skateboarder in my late forties because that <laughs> absolutely has to be the episode title. That's so good. Hey, Tony Hawk was like ripping it up at the X Games, wasn't he? He's like still, 53. Still going, just, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll WordPress. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Hawk. <laughs> be a short episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, let's let's pivot slightly. This is uh, honestly podcasting is hot, and it's quite interesting because Lee's. Lee, I guess it's Lee still just saying he needs to pick up his podcasting again here we are talking about podcasting a couple of weeks ago joe we got into the we got really into the weeds about podcasting when castos were acquired no they weren't that was complete rubbish castos got a bunch of money from automatic and people at yoast and now this is just another interesting piece of news in the sort of wordpress podcasting space let me just get the right piece here we go because uh, automatic have acquired so this isn't donating money for you know r&d purposes or anything they've bought out one of the most popular podcasting apps if like me you consume a lot of podcasts you, you really need a dedicated podcast player and that um that podcast player enables you to you know have multiple and download things automatically so that if you're out of range of a signal it'll it'll all work and it'll show you what's still to be listened to and all of that good stuff and my favorite one for years now has been pocket cast it's the one that i've used for years and years and years they've got a web version which is great for me because i can listen to it while sitting on the computer and it syncs everything backwards and forwards and they've now been bought taken over it, the same message that you get every time there's a takeover where everything's going to be the same, don't worry, all's going to be fine. And I've no reason not to believe that. But I am curious, especially, Joe, with your deep interest in podcasting or what have you, what you make about this. It feels to me as if Automatic are really taking podcasting extremely seriously in a way that just six weeks ago I didn't really think they were going to. Yeah. Uh, I, so I shared my immediately thoughts on my blog, uh, like Friday, like newsjacking style. Um, and then I, I went a little bit deeper in my newsletter today, but automatic has been making several moves. Um, within the last year, I would say they quietly launched, uh, I think it's on wordpress.com. They quietly launched a how to podcast, um, course. Uh, hmm. like learn how to podcast course. Uh, I don't know how many people know about that. I don't know how many people are taking it, but uh, they launched that alongside their like how to launch your blog course. Uh, and, you know, the deal that they worked out with Anchor and Spotify back in February that if you want to have a, a, a podcast, you, you know, I guess Anchor will like read the text for you. 
Mm. Um, which I panned pretty hard because that's not a podcast. That's just like an audio version of a blog post. Yeah, that's, um, I agree. But the last two moves they made are very good uh, because Pocket Cast's beloved app that um, I think was frankly neglected by NPR and the media group that that bought it. What was it? Six, seven years ago now? Yeah, it was an independent Australian developer, I feel, wasn't it? And it was doing great things, but it doesn't really done a lot recently. But it was so good at that right. point that you kind of feel it's still as good as anything yeah, else. Even it's still, a, yeah. yeah, it's still a really good app. The web interface, I use Overcast myself, huh. but the web interface for Pocket Cast is so good. It really um, is. That's what attracted me to it, right? Because I was like living the cross-platform Android and iPhone life for a while. But um, NPR announced in, you know, the group that bought it, put it up for sale uh, in January because it was a loss generator for them, which is just completely baffling to me. Because it's, I mean, it was like the only real Android app for a long time, right? Because Google kind of ignored podcasting for a long time. And Pocket Cast was like the leader um, in, in podcasting apps for a while. So I think Automatic, you know, I, I um, am maybe very hard on Automatic and, and Matt in general. But I am excited for Automatic's... Uh, direction that they're going i think that they'll be able to democratize democratize podcasting the same way that wordpress has been able to democratize publishing um because the, um they're investing in castos which is a great company for podcasting uh they've purchased what is essentially a podcast directory which will help with discoverability especially if there's a good web-based option right because even like apple podcasts like the people who in invented popularized podcasting like that's not a good app um and with with automatic throwing their weight behind this new content avenue for them i think it's going to be very good both for people who want to discover podcasting or maybe who haven't who've like heard about it and they're like yeah it's that purple icon on my phone um but also for podcasters to get discovered because the hard thing about podcasting that's maybe harder than youtube but also better is we're not at like the mercy of some algorithm. Yeah. Um, which is a double-edged sword, right? Because you can get discovered and blow up on YouTube. But if YouTube doesn't like the content you're putting out, you know, you can you can fall faster than you rose. So yeah, uh, podcasting is not like that. I think it's a good fit for automatic. I feel that like with with podcasting, anybody who's going into podcasting has an expectation of spending money. You, you're not going to start a podcast and think this is all going to be free. Yeah. Like every single bit of this I can do on the cheap. There's going to be bits where you can, where you're going to need to dig, dig into your pockets. And it was interesting when we did the Page Builder Summit for the second time back in May. Autom Automatic were a sponsor. Actually, it was WordPress.com that ended up being the sponsor. And what did they pick as their subject? How to do a podcast? How to set up a podcast on WordPress.com? And I didn't really know how easy it was, but they've got it. They've got it sussed on their side, you know, and now that they've got the player, who knows what they're going to do with that player. I just feel, why wouldn't they be involved in this? It's a whole different side of the web that they've got until recently. They didn't have uh, any any skin in the game, and it's growing and growing and growing, and uh, they've now presumably going to be a fairly big challenger going forward. I wonder if we'll see it rebranded to something more, more that we're used to on the automatic side. I don't know. 
So, yeah. Paul, sorry, we've neglected you. Maybe they'll just add two T's after the... the yeah, pocket cast. <laughs> yeah. No, I've got nothing really to add. Uh, I just enjoyed listening, um, Joe, to your take on it, to be honest. It was just um, nice to listen to that live, actually. And I, I wonder if they'll um, go for video at some point in the same way. I know that there's been like video, Automatic has dipped into video and stuff before, but, you know, in terms of like something legitimately alternative to the youtube thing where like you said things like shadow banning exist whether you think you are getting downgraded or not people can be so you know that whole democratizing things and not being owned on the platform is, is a good move yep this is todd uh todd jones he he seems says he can remember the podcast thing that that um joe was talking about there and uh lee Thanks for thanks for putting your name at the beginning of each comment. That's really yeah. People have figured out a way around this now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Um, the Apple Podcast is awful. I I don't know about that because I don't own any iOS devices, but I can tell you that the Google Podcast app is is about as bad as it gets. If you were uh, if you were looking for a really slimmed down app that does almost nothing that you want, then go for Google Podcasts. Just I don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm sure Lee will know it used to be quite good and then they changed something about six months ago that made it just difficult to know what you had listened to and hadn't. But good compared to Pocket Cast, it never was. It was never a fully featured um, app. And I haven't used Overcast that Joe's on, but um, yeah, just really exciting times if you're into podcasting. I just feel that like more and more of this stuff is fabulous. Um, What's this, Joe? I I shared your link about your podcast. Yeah, that's just... um... If you want to basically read my take on uh, my, my newsletter, it. yeah, okay, uh, from my put... newsletter, um, I get a little bit more descriptive in there um, about what I hope uh, for what could happen. You know, maybe things like integrated hosting and and um, maybe partnering with uh, you know with Castos to to do direct uploads or something like that. Just yeah, 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 yeah. things Good to point. decrease uh, friction. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Log in. Upload. Yeah. Log out. Publish, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just looking at that, Casa is a is a. You can buy Casa domain. Oh, yeah, so I tried. Good. I tried to buy Bona dot Casa, uh, but that's apparently a brand, and I couldn't oh. get it. Because Casa I'm, means house, doesn't it, or something? Yes, yes. Okay. My last name, roughly in Italian, translates to good house. Good house, I think. So we, people, yeah. yeah, people would call me Joey Goodhouse in, in Joey college. Goodhouse. Yeah, that's great though. Joe Casa yeah. forward slash. Pocket Cast is what we're directing you to, and you'll get Joe's take on on all of that good stuff. We're fast running out of time, Paul. We were going to talk about a couple of acquisitions. Should we literally just mention them? Let's just they're... mention them. Yeah. yeah do you, do I mention them or you? Yeah, you go for it. We'll do them in this okay. order. By the way, Ten Web. If you're going to put an email out, <laughs> at least have a web version of it somewhere. Not. Don't make me create an Evernote that's publicly shareable. <laughs> So that this article can be surfaced. At least make a Notion page or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> maybe they did. I couldn't find it. So there, yeah. there you go with my email address and stuff, hopefully stripped out and my uh, unsubscribe tags as well. But you never know. Right. Sorry, Paul. Go for it. Yeah, so right. So the article we're talking about, 10Web, has received $2 million, I think, dollars funding yeah. from the AI Fund and Sierra Ventures. And all I remember about 10Web was that they were on AppSumo about a year ago or something with some kind of 
AI-based website builder that I think leveraged Elementor. And I remember trying it and being kind of unimpressed, but, you know, it met the expectations that I thought it would. It's very diplomatic, um, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I just, just, you know, I'm a designer and a site builder, so I'm going to come at this from a a point of view that I feel threatened by it to a certain extent, (laughs) aren't I? So, (laughs) So... yeah, so Dave, Dave, um, t- Dave attracted two million dollars funding to to help with their AI builder, as far as I can see. And I don't know if it will mean some really cool stuff will happen, or is this just you know, hey, we're doing stuff in AI, nobody else is, give us a load of money. And so I'm slightly cynical about it, but who knows? They might nail it, you know. So we've seen Jarvis and stuff at the moment, and other things, which is a AI based um, content writer. I'm seeing people writing books in seven days and I'm still completely skeptical that I really want to read content or look at websites that a bot made, but I'm sure that bots like to read content that bots have made. So We, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Yeah, about we did. Basically yeah. content <laughs> yeah. being written by bots so that the Google bot can scrape it and it's a yeah. self-perpetuating cycle of stuff that's probably unreadable. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so there we go. Uh, Ten Web got two million dollars of funding from an AI funded venture. So well done to them. You know, work went into that. Uh, Search WP a plugin has joined the Awesome Motive family. So I think that's the website that owned WP Beginner. Is that the same company? WP Beginner. I oh, think? so much yeah. stuff. So yeah. much stuff. Yeah, like they own a lot of marketing monster. Look, look at them all here. Yeah, yeah. They're from big. They're big. Search big, WP. big, big. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's a it's a well respected plugin from what I can gather. I think it's the same plugin that I see sometimes sponsor the Matt report yeah. as far as as far as I know. And um and it and it improves the possibilities of search within WordPress in a simple way. There's other options like relevancy which are quite difficult to use, quite you know there's a million options in there, but I think this search WP plugin has a nice balance of simplicity and power. It's been bought by Awesome Motive. Um, it probably means the plugin will live on if it had any kind of problems going forward. And then you see obviously a lot of comments in there wait, saying that um, we're waiting to see the big upsell adverts in the WP admin area. I don't really know. I've not really seen that. I haven't used a lot of the awesome motive plugins, but that seemed to be a cheap shot that people were <laughs> leveling at this uh, particular um, acquisition. Very successful well, team, though, aren't they? They've got an awful mm. lot of acquisitions under their Yeah, belt. Yeah. Very and powerful I, company. I, I mean, obviously, they're doing something right. But and, and that is that is an accurate assessment. Uh, what's interesting is that SearchWP does not have a freemium option. Um, interesting. Whereas all of it's seemingly all of the other awesome motive offerings do. WP Forms certainly mm. does. I think Smash Balloon um, does, Monster Insights does. Um, the, I mean, I, I'm sure. I think uh, Christopher in the in the chat points out, you know, there will probably be lots of cross promotional stuff. Um, I missed that one. Uh, it's, on, the, it's the latest it's the, one, but it's uh, what I was kind of referring to. I'd seen right. a lot of people yeah. commenting to yeah. this effect. Uh, Christopher Hughes says, I use search WP on lots of client sites. Going to be loads of WP forms adverts now. <laughs> yep. Uh, WP toolkit. I think it's tool belt. WP tool belt. Yeah. Um, has a, a nice 
a little addition to get rid of uh, right. all those WordPress notifications. Yes, we mentioned that, I think, last week. It's like a little tiny thing, isn't it? But yeah. it hoovers them up with JavaScript. And That's it. That was what it was. It just goes, yeah. when the page is loaded, it just sucks them out. <laughs> it just yeah. gets yep. rid of them. Puts them but, in a different place, yeah, which well, uh, yeah. I think that particular plugin, um, they've actually said, the creators of that plugin said, I think it's a guy called Ben. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think he said, it's not the perfect solution, uh, but if you don't want the ads, here is how it probably could be displayed in the future if the core team decided to do this. Yeah. And so it's it's a fantastic plugin. It's what I love about WordPress that people do this. Okay. Yeah. Very quickly, yeah. two more things. Um, I did a. I'm copying uh, Joe horribly here. I did a a webinar with uh, Leslie Sim from Newsletter Glue. Only about two months after Joe did it. So uh, you know, <laughs> probably yeah, go and check out are- Joe. There are newer and cooler features now. That's from, true. We have the new um, little social widget yeah. with the little social icons and things. Anyway, if you're interested in sending newsletters from your WordPress install connected to something like Active Campaign, they've got this fabulous plugin. I can heartily recommend it. It's what we use. It's fabulous. She just demos it. She just shows you what it can do. And within about 50 minutes or so, she shows what it can do. So I'm just I think we you should know. mention a killer, a killer feature of this, just very briefly, is that it's not just sending newsletters from WordPress. This is one of the killer features is publish once in one place no copy and then paste. have the content on your blog and parts of it, the parts you decide you want to be in it, going off to your newsletter list as well. Yeah. So, so you, I think you can there is load... some Sorry. Yeah, it's different. It's 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 uh it's got more than what what you've probably undersold your own uh, webinar there Nathan. You, there's some quite cool <laughs> well, stuff. There's a that, surprise. <laughs> that there's some quite cool stuff going on with this software that you yeah. wouldn't know about unless you watched either, you know Joe's Joe's webinar or your webinar or mine is coming out next week actually. Oh, see, so, yeah, no, yeah, not really. new feature about that. <laughs> I really, really like this plugin. It fits absolutely squarely with the things that I want to do. So that's why I'm very excited about it. But it is, you're right. You can say send it out in the newsletter, but not on the blog post. Put it in the blog post, but not in the newsletter, or do both. Um, and there was a car or something again i don't know if that's that guy yeah, from before coming back i guess yeah he's having a good old went, time just went to the around. last one and i'm just going to mention it it would appear that google are according to the wp tavern article at least anyway it would appear that google are sort of putting the flock initiative this federated learning of cohorts idea of grouping people so that we worried less about cookies seems that that might be hitting the back burner i would imagine largely to do with the fact that Almost nobody seemed to have anything good to say about it. Um, so anyway, there we go. We're, we're out of time. It's more than half past. Mm. I don't want to keep anybody longer than absolutely necessary. So there we go. WP Builds News once more. Finished. This was episode, what was this? 172. Um, I'd just like to say thanks to Paul, as always, for being here. Thanks to pleasure. Joe for being here. My pleasure. Very, very nice. Joe, just before we go, let us know what's the best place to... Find all of your good stuff. You can go to casabona.org. That'll have links to everything I'm doing at the moment. Uh, and I, I'll just quick plug because 5.8 comes out this week as I am sure. working feverishly on my block editor and full site editing course to have it nice. done hopefully uh, by like the first week of August. Um, and at the same URL you just mentioned, we'll be able to find it there. Yes. yes. Very nice. Very, very cool indeed. Yeah, by the end of this week, we should all be 
rocking 5.8 let's hope okay so thank you we don't have to do the awkward wave so much anymore because if you click this end stream button in in stream whatever this is called restream it actually appears to stop it right on time so i'm just going to say bye bye goodbye thanks everybody take it easy